You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat Podcast, where baseball meets Broadway. An attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to another edition of Break a Bat, where baseball meets Broadway. I'm your host, Al Malafrante, coming at you for the Broadway Podcast Network. Tonight, we're fortunate enough to welcome one of the most exciting first-year players to take the stages of Broadway. Certainly no stranger to the performing world, her regional credits include Elf, Honeymoon in Vegas, Godspell, and Susical the Musical. But of course, there's one particular show that certainly made her a household name here on the Broadway. In 2019, she took the stage in the North American tour of Sixth the Musical as Katherine Howard. And back in early 2020, uh, Six had just finished previews over at the Brooks Atkinson when Broadway had shut down. And it's certainly an opening night at the stadium that we're all looking forward to very soon. And my guest tonight is a huge reason for that. With that being said, if you'll please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee, now batting, Samantha Polly. Sam, welcome to Break a Bat. I'm obsessed with that intro. Oh my gosh, I love that. Hi. <laughs> so nice to meet you. Yeah, it's kind of like your walk-up song, you know, get in the box, get into a little bit of a groove, pump yourself up, you know? Yeah, that's got me. That's got me amped. So many nice things about me. That's so nice. Did not realize I was a household name. I think I'm just a little potato. <laughs> <laughs> you got an impressive back of the baseball card. <laughs> Thanks. How is uh, snowbirding in Florida going for you? It's great. Um, we got down here, I think, like first week of January. Um, but, you know, like you said, Broadway kind of shut down. When was it? March 12th. Um, I stayed in New York for maybe a month or so after because originally we were supposed to come back in a month. Um, and then they, you know, pushed the shutdown out to September. So I went back to my house in Chicago. And so I never really had any like quarantine time in the dead of winter. And when that kind of started to creep up on my husband and I, we were like, should we just go down to Florida for the winter? Um, his parents have a house down here. So that's, that's where we are. So we're missing all of the, all of that giant snowstorm. And now I think it's snowing again today in Chicago. It's just been nasty. So I'm happy down here. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> it's not much better here in New York. Uh, are you getting the itch to go back on stage at all? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've had it since, since we left um it was such like an abrupt closing with like so much unknown and even still now you know no one really knows anything for sure but you know we got an email the i think the day or two days after we closed saying we'll be back in a month the week of april 13th is when we'll be returning you know and so at first i was like oh a month to like rest and that'll be nice because previews were intense and we had been doing the show for like a year before that. But, you know, after we hit that month mark and we realized it would be a lot longer. Um, yeah, it's been tough. I've, I've really been dying to go back for a while for sure. Well, what I've loved about 
you know, the way you're using your platform during this pandemic is you're still entertaining people. I love when you were doing like song of the day and you put together all you want to do in a living room setting. It got me like so pumped up to see that live. Is that like the most epic song you ever got to perform? Oh yeah, for sure. I, and I mean, I've, I've done a, a lot of shows. You listed a couple of them. I've done Evita four times. Um, I did it in 2019 in London on the West End. And that show, Evita is a beast. Like, she never leaves the stage. It's some of the most difficult singing, I think, in all of the uh, all of music theater. But Six is still the most difficult show I've ever done. Um, and all you want to do, for sure. I mean, it comes later in the show. She's the fifth wife. And the song itself is like seven minutes long, I think. So having to like pace myself through the rest of the show to make sure I can do mine. It's way easier to sit in my bedroom and sing it, you know, for Instagram, whatever. That's like a piece of cake to get up and sing it and have to dance and everything. It's, oh my God, it's so hard. So hard. Now, when you first discovered theater, which to my understanding was later in high school, could you ever have imagined that the medium would evolve the way that it has to the point where something like six is arguably the most popular show on the planet? I, no, I, I'm also not like, I'm, I'm not a good music theater person. Like I don't stay up to date ab about like new stuff. Like you said, I kind of, I kind of came into the game a little late. So there's still a lot of stuff that I don't know. I don't like listen to it in my free time. You know what I mean? I don't like turn on a Broadway cast recording. Um, that's just not really me. Um, but I think as soon as like, I mean, Hamilton, is a show that like truly changed the game of music theater, what music theater means, what it looks like, who can play certain roles. They kind of like shook everything up. So that I think is when I was first like, Oh, okay. This is, this is also what music theater can be. Um, that when six kind of first came across my radar, I was like, what is this? But then listening to the cast recording and, seeing you know what the show was all about i was like oh yeah this is for sure the direction of of music theater today it's modern i mean our show is like an 80 minute concert truly more than like a standard music theater and we clap after every song um we encourage people to sing along and dance and you know have a lot of fun like they would at a beyonce concert so yeah it's different had you only heard the cast recording when you went into that audition or had you seen some video video footage of what they were doing on stage uh, to create that environment? I don't know. Before I first went in, I don't, I don't think I saw any videos ahead of time. Um, but I'm also one that if videos do exist somewhere, I try not to watch them so that I can create my own, like what I think my own interpretation of, you know, the character or the show. Um, so I, I only listened to the cast recording. Um, but again, that was also kind of last minute. I said, I said no to auditioning for the show three times. Um, so as I was driving to my first, uh, callback for the show, I was still listening to it in the car, like trying to memorize all the words and remember which queen was which and everything. So 
<laughs> now you mentioned that you said no to the audition three times. And I understand when this came about, this was during a pretty crazy period for you. I have a baseball parallel that I think somewhat applies here. I'm just going to throw okay. it at you because I, even if you're not a fan, maybe you'll appreciate it. So R.A. Dickey, not sure if you know who he is, but here in New York, especially, we love a second act, turning lemons into lemonade. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in many ways, the circumstance surrounding you, know, you joining you know, the Six Company and you know, actually going to audition for it was a prime example of that because I didn't mention in the intro Bad Out of Health, which I know that, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk about that over the years. Can you take the folks at home through what happened there? Because I think it's so many ways, it's such an integral abridgment, you know, to where you are now and discovering who you want to be as a person and a performer. Yeah, definitely. Um, So yeah, Bad Out of Health, it ran in the UK at first and I think it, it ran for a while. It did pretty, pretty okay over there. But for anyone that doesn't know, it's, um, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a musical that is primarily songs from meatloaf's bad out of hell album with a couple other Jim Steinman songs in there as well. Um, the show is very interesting. It's a very weird, like Romeo and Juliet meets Peter Pan type of story. Um, that they came over here and they wanted to do a national tour um, that I booked in 2018. It was supposed to be a year long production contract, which means like the highest tier of uh, Broadway contracts you could have, like most money, most protections in your union, you know, pretty great setup. Um, So I was excited to go on my first national tour at like such a high level. Um, I was in a supporting role. It was a lot of fun. Um, we rehearsed for five weeks in New York. We started in Toronto. I think that was in October. Um, we ran for three weeks and then a couple days before we were supposed to pack up and move on to Detroit. Um, we got called in for a company meeting before a show one night and, um, our company manager, read us an email that she got sent because none of the producers bothered to come and which is pretty standard. If a show is closing, the higher ups come in and they tell you, um, they weren't there. They had sent her an email. They asked her to read an hour before our show that night. And they said, unfortunately we can't continue with the tour. Um, we're hoping that maybe we'll be able to pick back up in the summer. Um, she was like, so we'll send you guys home on Sunday or Monday. And collectively, I mean, this was everybody, the cast of about 25, 28 people, our entire traveling crew, um, everybody that everyone collectively was like, what home? Like people had subletted their apartments for a year. We were supposed to be gone for a long time. Um, and that hit me hard enough that I was like, yeah, I'm good for a while. Like done with theater. Um, even after I got home because I had just been so excited and the year earlier had been rough in terms of like booking things. Um, I was like, you know, this isn't, it's not making me happy. I'm not excited about new projects. I'm not excited about auditions. Um, so yeah, like, you know, like you said, I kind of got into a point where I was like, no, I'm, I'm good for, I'm going to take a break, uh, for a little bit. So that was kind of the headspace I was in. Uh, right before six came along. (laughs) 
Yeah, how how big of a push was it to recruit you as almost like a free agent to use some baseball terminology? How do they contact you? Do they know that you're disenchanted with the industry at that point? And like, what are they doing to try to recruit you into this show? Yeah, so I had um, my agents knew I wasn't really interested in doing anything. Um, there's a theater in uh, the Chicago area called the Marriott Theater that I've done like something like ten shows at. Um, they gave me my first job in the city. They were doing a production of Footloose and they uh, were still trying to cast one part and they just called my agent one night. I think this was in January. And they were like, hey, we just want to offer Sam this part. Um, that was going to kind of be my last like, yeah, I'll do the show. That seems fun at a place I love. And then that's it for a bit. I had signed a contract. They, My agent negotiated. Everything was set. And because of that, when six first started to reach out to people. Um, that's why I kept saying no, because my agent and I agreed. We're like, nope, we're going to do this one project. If six ever goes to Broadway, we'll worry about it then. Um, so they had the first couple days of auditions, I think two or three days. And um, what ended up happening was, and and they knew why it was because I, I had booked another show and I just wasn't interested. Um, the music director for six actually called me one day and left me a voicemail, which I, if anyone is interested, I posted on my Instagram a couple days ago on like the two year anniversary of when she had originally called me. Um, but she left me a voicemail and she was like, you know, I'm sitting in these auditions. We're seeing all these people. And as soon as I listened to this show, I just, I thought it's, it's your show. We have to get Sam Pauly. Um, and she's like a Broadway veteran. So I, and she's my voice teacher when I'm in Chicago. So I, I trust her often. I trust her opinions. I trust her thoughts about things. Um, so it was nice to have someone like that. Who's on the other side of the table, you know, also talking me through the concerns I had that I was like, I signed this other contract with a theater that I love. Am I going to ruin my relationship with them? And, um, so she's really the reason why I, ended up doing the show because she was like, you, you at least just have to come in and sing. There's no harm in that. People do it all the time. And then if you book it, then you worry about it and your agents worry about it and they take care of it. So that it's, it was all because of her. Roberta Dicek is her name. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really because of her because I had someone that was saying, look, I get it, but like, it's a business. It's not personal. You have to do what's, what's best for you and your career. And this, show is for you and it was <laughs> yeah no that's for sure now let me ask you obviously you knew that it had the chance to be special but you know at what point is it where you know you're actually is it when you're in rehearsal when you're actually out there on the stage performing it that you realize that wow this is gonna really be a hit with american audiences too um i we kind of got that uh Honestly, the, the night of our first preview in Chicago, um, for anyone that doesn't know, Chicago Shakespeare Theater, it's, uh, you know, attached to Navy Pier. So there's not like a separation from the rest of the pier. There's not like a stage door for the theater. You just walk into the rest of the pier and you're kind of, you know, with everybody else. Um, so after that first preview, we didn't really have anything set up if people wanted photos or like autographs or whatever. Um and we walked out into the lobby and there were at least a hundred people packed in there waiting for us. Um, 
and they didn't have anything set up because they didn't know that it was going to be so crazy. Um, and after that first night, they were like, okay, you know, we'll just like wait and see. It could just be because it's the first preview. It might not be like this every night. And it started to be like that every night. So I think that was the first time that we were all like, oh, people are like really pumped about this. People are excited that we're here. Um, between that and like the people that were coming from all over the country that were like, we're only here for 24 hours to see the show that were like, oh, damn. Okay. Yeah. This is like, this is a big deal. Um, and then I think in early June, one of the producers from the UK came over to see the show and took us all out for drinks one night. And like, you know, we'd only been running for a couple weeks and he was like, Oh, we've had three Broadway theaters already reach out saying there's one that wants us there in September, but you guys have to go to Canada first and do this and this and that. Um, and I actually, I have a photo of that moment because my parents saw the show that night and they came with us. And my dad had like, just happened to snap a photo of like all of us sitting with um, Kenny, the producer. And it's really funny because the look on all of our faces is one of like, <gasps> like kind of looking at each other, like, Oh my God, is this really happening? Like, bro- like, are we going to go to Broadway? Um, so it's cool to have that, <laughs> to have that picture too, like seeing that moment, but it was, man, it was early on. Um, which I don't think any of us expected. We knew the show was exciting, but I don't think any of us anticipated that it would be this big. This juggernaut. Yeah. It, it's just so amazing how quickly it caught on. And, you know, speaking of which, you know, I mentioned the household name thing before. Was it surreal to have, I guess, like a Broadway homecoming when, you know, you had first begun previews where you legitimately had fans we, waiting to meet you every night in New York? Yeah, I think that was... um like the, again, our first preview was so incredible. The audience was so excited, but, um, the creative team and all of our producers wanted to have like a thing for us upstairs after with like drinks and like a toast. But all of us were so, we were like itching to get outside of the stage where we're like, there's people waiting. We have to go. Like, we'll do the totes in a minute. We have to go. Um, cause we all wanted that, like the stage door of people, like people were like out into the street, like blocking traffic. I think that was the first moment that I was like, okay, this is Broadway. This feels like Broadway. Cause you know, like up until then we'd done the show for a year and a couple different theaters. So being on the stage didn't feel really any different. Um, but yeah, that the stage door moment of people that are like screaming and little girls that are crying because they're so excited. That's the moment that I was like, Oh my God, what is happening? Like, how does anybody even know who I am, you know, it, that's a very, that's still a very weird thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you kept up with a lot of your castmates uh, throughout the pandemic? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I actually, right before this was just talking to um, Brittany Mack who plays Anna Cleves and Andrea Mackneset who plays Anne Boleyn. Um, the three of us are doing like a zoom party thing on Sunday for Valentine's day. But um all we have the six of us and then we have three alternates and uh we all talk pretty regularly and if it's been a while we'll just i'll kind of go through my phone and call one of them randomly or one of them will call me just to say hi um we all just became very close over that year and a half that we were together so you know to go from seeing each other six days a week every week to not at all 
has been really hard. So we try and talk as often as we can for sure. Now, uh, hopefully by the time six opens back up, you know, we'll be in the heart of a really fun baseball season. And, uh, you know, Sam, there's a little uh, segment that we do on this show that I actually tailored especially to you tonight, because um, I know that you're not like a self-described, you know, theater kid at heart and whatnot. (laughs) This is a little thing that we do called seventh inning stretch. And what it is, is an opportunity for you to join the elite of the baseball and Broadway crossover world and enter what we call the winner circle. Are you familiar with this at all? Um, I no, I don't know. I'm not. Well, it is a very exclusive club and uh, it's a chance for you to answer some trivia questions with maybe some baseball and Broadway tie-ins. And maybe, you know, I've heard through the grapevine that you're kind of like a Disney fan. And maybe I put some of that in there in place of like the standard theater questions that my audience is used to. And I thought it could be really fun to see if you could join. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Batter up. And and by the way, the golden rule is uh, if you get enough of them right, you'll win the prize. So (laughs) (laughs) let's see how you do here. Your sixth castmate or teammate, Abby Mueller, is part of a great lineage of Broadway stars to star in the show Beautiful. Which of the following performers is not a member of that lineage? Is it A, Carol Lindsay, B, Melissa Benoist, C, Jessica Keenan Wynn, or D, Araldis Chapman? Oh, these are people that, that have not been in the show? Three of the people have been in the show, and one of those people has not performed in Beautiful on Broadway. Give me the answers one more. Give me one more time. Okay. A. Carol Lindsay, B. Melissa Benoist, C. Jessica Keenan Wynn, or D. Araldis Chapman. I'm gonna say D. That is correct. Araldis Chapman is. <laughs> my husband is off screen. My husband just walked in there. He's off screen laughing at me. I don't know names. Ask him if he knows who Chapman is. Who is that? Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's a he's a baseball player. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Araldis Chapman has yet to take the stage in really any capacity on Broadway outside of the pitcher's mound of Yankee Stadium. So you are one for one. oh god help okay i thought this would be easy okay he throws really fast by the way okay i'm ready i'm ready okay i'm ready next one now here this is where the disney comes into play okay (laughs) the walt disney company once owned a major league baseball franchise and under disney's ownership that franchise won the world series in 2002 was that franchise a the toronto blue jays b the anaheim angels C, the Los Angeles Dodgers, or D, the Colorado Rockies? Do you know? Yeah. I think, okay, I'm just going to guess. I'm going to say B. The Anaheim Angels, correct. Right next to Disneyland, they own that franchise. <laughs> yes, two for two. <laughs> that Anaheim, that was my thought. I was like, oh, Disneyland. Okay, great. Yes. Excellent. You're crushing Excellent. it. Let's see if we go three for three here. Mark Teixeira and CeCe Sabathia, two members of the 2009 world champion New York Yankees, have made guest appearances in a certain Broadway musical. Was that Broadway musical A, The Little Mermaid, B, Aladdin, C, Rock of Ages, or D, 
nine to five. Oh. And if you want to use your husband as a lifeline, by all means. Yeah, he's not, you don't know. Um, Would you like me to read the options again? Well, I might. Uh, my instinct was, I'm just going to go with my gut. I My instinct was C, Rock of Ages. That is correct. Ding, ding, ding. They were both bourbon room patrons in okay. various productions. Yeah, that seems like a show where they would just let people do like fun walk on things for sure. Like you don't think that they would just let a baseball player be like Sebastian or King Burton <laughs> and Little Mermaid? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. They got a lot of money. They could spend a lot of money to do a walk on thing. Okay, Rock of Ages. Yes, I'm crushing it. You really are. And I think if you uh, get this one right, I think you're officially in the winner's circle. Um, <gasps> now, here's an interesting question. Now, I know that, by the way, your husband is from Chicago. So you you might remember Chapman on the 2016 World Series Cubs. Um, he has made a number of all-star games. Uh, how many all-star games has Araldis Chapman been selected to? Is it A, 3, B, nine, C, six, or D, 12? Do you have a guess? Uh, I, don't, I my guess is based on his behavior uh, issues, and that would be lower than. Oh, okay. All, so maybe nine. nine was an option. Three, 12, nine, or what was the. Six. Or six. Let's go with A, three. The answer is six. I was hoping for the uh, baseball and Broadway tie-in to be pretty prevalent, the name of your show and the oh, number yeah. of... <laughs> this is the, if this is an interview or a podcast, it's the best one you've ever done. It's a podcast. <laughs> he just said, did you hear what he just said? No, what did he say? He said, if this is an interview or a podcast, this is the best thing you've ever done. Wow. Thank Well, thank you very much. You tell him any, anytime he oh wants to be God. a lifeline for our guest, that would be epic. Yeah. Damn. I should have guessed six. That's smart. That's cute. Good for you. Yeah. I missed that one. Totally. That just went right over my head. We really reach for the uh, crossover at times. If you couldn't tell. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love that. Oh, you're very welcome. Let, let's see if you could bring him home here. How about this? Okay, okay. Which of the following Disney theatrical productions has yet to come to Broadway officially? Is A, Aladdin, B, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, C, Aida, or D, Beauty and the Beast? B. Hunchback of Notre Dame, ding, 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 as the uh, people behind me outside are banging stuff and making a lot of noise that I hope the audience can't hear. I am proud to welcome you to the winner's circle, Sam. Welcome. Yes. This is uh, your official prize here. It is a Chapman on Broadway, break a bat, long sleeve t-shirt. He's kind of like our mascot because he's very theatrical. Yes. And I'm proud to welcome you to this winner's circle. Yay. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's an honor. You're very welcome. And, and tell your husband, if he fits into a medium, I can send him one as well, if he'd like, because I feel like he deserves part of the prize here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he really helped. I'm glad that he walked in when he did. I think he has more fun just, like, laughing at me as I struggle with sports things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard that you two have been to a Cubs game together during their championship year. Yeah, I think I've 
I've only been yeah I think I've only been to one with him he gets he would get to go like for work and stuff more often and I was never invited to those um but like when they won the world series we we lived on like a ground floor apartment that as soon as they won like we were out in the streets with like all of our neighbors. They were like our, one of our crazy neighbors was like stopping traffic for no reason. And like people were setting off fireworks. It was nuts. So that was, it was fun to be there. Like a night that neither of us had anything going on that we could watch it together. That was a cool, that was a lot of fun. These days, do you consider New York or Chicago to be home? Um, Probably. I mean, I, I guess I haven't really been in New York long enough. Like I, I moved there for six. So I moved there January of last year and I was only there for, you know, three months, not even. Um, so Chicago is home. We have a house there, but I still have my apartment in New York. So, but I think home to me for now is Chicago for sure. And let me ask you, have the two of you picked up any uh, cool new hobbies throughout this uh, pandemic? Ooh, um, I don't know if I've picked up any crazy hobbies. Have you? Not really. He likes to do, try like a lot of new hobbies. Um, I feel like, well, I, I don't know if it's a hobby, but like just to get by and survive, I've been doing like virtual coaching and like voice lessons and stuff. Um, which is not something I had ever done before. And I, I started doing that last March kind of right when everything shut down. Um, but that's like a new thing that never did I think I would do or enjoy doing it. Now I love it. Like I have students that I see regularly every week. And so that's a lot of fun. That's been like, I think my biggest new thing that I've done. Yeah, for sure. How old are the kids that you're working with? Um, honestly, the, they are anywhere between, I think the youngest student I have is probably, I have a couple 10 year olds, but I have lessons with 22, 23 year olds. Uh, I have a couple 30 year olds and a couple people that are older than that, that I meet with. Um, but what's been really cool about it is that like, it's, um, I'm accessible to people all over the world. So I've had lessons with people in Japan and Argentina and Poland and a lot of kids in the UK. Um, so it's been like a fully mixed bag, which is nice. I like the kiddos, but then sometimes it's nice to have lessons with adults too. <laughs> yeah. Now what's interesting is, you know, given the age of, you know, the kids that you're working with and, you know, I mentioned before that, you know, from what I've heard, you discovered musical theater, you know, later on in your, you know, school trajectory, you know, where was your talent and skill set level uh, when you actually realized that you might want to make a go at this thing and what'd you do to, you know, really take it to the next level? Um, I mean, I always liked singing. I guess I didn't start doing it seriously until I got to college when I like had to do voice lessons every week. Um, but I think I just always kind of had a knack for it, but I think college is when I was like, Oh, okay, cool. I like what I'm doing. I know I definitely want to do this. I have to like, really, I got to step it up between like voice lessons and dancing and stuff like that. Um, but man, some of these kids that I teach, some of these 10 and 11 year olds come on and they are just like belting for the skies. And I just sit there like, I, 
like I can't form words because I'm like, who even are you? Are you human? I don't understand. Um, yeah, a lot of these kids are starting young. It doesn't mean you have to. There are plenty of people that start whenever, you know. Do you ever get intimidated when you go into an audition? You know, just given, you know, there's so much talent these days and so many ways to showcase that, you know, especially in the age of social media and whatnot. Um, you know, because you started later in the game, you know, especially in the beginning, would you ever get overcome or um, would you ever get overwhelmed by the situation? Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely still do, uh, especially because, like you said, there are some people that are on Broadway or on their like second or third Broadway show that are 23 years old. And I'm like, I didn't even know who I was as a human. Like how those are the moments that sometimes I still have that internal, like I'm still behind. Like I've made it to where I I've always wanted to be, but somehow because I, you know, we all compare ourselves to other people and especially in the theater world, that's, that's very prevalent. Um, comparing your success to others so I'm only human. I still have plenty of times where I'm like, wow, that girl's 19 and she's the lead in Mean Girls. Like, what am I doing with my, like, it took me so much longer to get to this place. But um, I have also, you know, especially with everything that happened with Bad Out of Hell um, and how that led to Six and then, you know, doing stuff on the West End as well. I am very, I'm a very firm believer in what's meant for you is meant for you. And you're always exactly where you're supposed to be, whether or not it seems like it. So, you know, I could have been on Broadway when I was 22, but maybe that would have been the only thing I did. And maybe it would have been an awful experience. Like, you know, I'm, I always have to remind myself that, yeah, I get nervous and I still get nervous for auditions and stuff because people are good. But, um, if it's meant for me, then it's, then it's meant for me. That also kind of helps ease some of the like, Oh, I didn't book it. I'm mad or I'm sad. Sometimes that helps to release some of that too. How nuts do you think that opening night is going to be for six? Um, it's going to be ridiculous. I, I, you know, we still don't, we have no specifics, you know, the shutdown is pushed to May 31st, but we don't know if that's even set in stone. Um, so we're also unsure, like if we're going to rehearse, come back and technically do some previews again and then have an opening night. Um, but regardless of, you know, when official, the, the big party is and everything, whatever that first night is that we have an audience again, I don't know if any of us will be able to even make it through without crying. Like that's kind of what the, our first preview was last year after we did the opening number the audience was on their feet immediately. And a lot of us were just crying because we were so happy to finally be there. So I think it will be, it's just going to be nuts and I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Heck yeah. That's the spirit. (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. And uh, you know, there's one more game that we play on the show, by the way, Sam, and uh, it's a chance for the audience to get to know a little bit more about you and, um, you know, you're a great storyteller. Feel free to tell some stories. We call this fastball derby. I want you to imagine yourself the ninth inning of the game. Chapman's on the mound throwing 105. You got to think quick. Totally. Yeah. I'll ask you a question. <laughs> you just tell me what comes to mind. How does that sound? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Favorite New York City meal? Chinese food. Person in the audience you were most intimidated to perform in front of? 
my husband. Tough critic? No, I don't know what it is though. I just get like so nervous when he's there. I think it's more like I'm excited and I like want him. I want to do well. Um, but otherwise like I, we can see everybody like the stage is so bright that we can usually see everything's pretty well illuminated. Um, while we were in previews, Gerard Butler came to one of our shows and I clocked him like almost immediately at the beginning, but then I kind of forgot about it. It like made me more excited. So, um, but yeah, I just get, I, I just get kind of nervous. Gets me all hot and bothered. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's no right or wrong answers. And it's interesting <laughs> to hear this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> how about this favorite holiday thanksgiving i just like food <laughs> <laughs> i also love halloween it's probably a tie halloween too what'd you dress up as this year i didn't really dress up usually my go-to if i don't have a costume is i'll just put on cat ears i have like three pairs of cat ears don't ask me why <laughs> I, just like wear, I just wear them yeah, usually cat ears. It's my go-to. What's your desert island song? Oh, um, probably something by Fallout Boy. I don't know what. I don't know. You're, I have to think fast. I can't think fast enough. Probably a Fallout Boy song. Speaking something of music, okay. Something by Fallout Boy. Speaking of music. America's band, the Beach Boys or the Eagles? The Eagles. Who is your favorite Muppet? That is from our loyal listener, Fast Food Nick. My favorite Muppet? Gonzo. Great choice. That is a great I choice. Love him. So funny. I call my friend Nico the great Nico, as inspired by the great Gonzo. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, I like him. He really loves that nickname at uh, age 30, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how about this? Actor or actress you learn the most from? Mm, Shoshana Bean. Most embarrassing onstage moment? <laughs> um, when I When I did... Evita in London, um, we had like this really elaborate, like grand quick change, like big dramatic moment at the end of the show. And they gave me a new bra one night that they forgot to quick rig. And the girl there, like a bunch of girls like dress and like redress me and bless her heart. One of the girls was really trying to make it work. And she tried to pull my arm out of the bra strap and my whole boob came out. That's probably it. And how did the audience react? You know, I, the director was there that night and I was so mortified, but he went, I don't know if he was just being nice, but when I mentioned it after he was like, oh, I didn't even see it. It, it To me, it felt like an eternity, but I think it happened like I recovered it so quickly. So I don't know if that's true or if he was just being nice to me, but I didn't like, he, I was also... No, maybe I wasn't singing at the time, but there was other singing happening around me. So if there was something happening in the audience, I couldn't hear it, which is probably for the best. Yeah, you're probably just like black out in that moment. 
Oh yeah. But yeah, I would say, um, you know, full peep show is pretty <laughs> up there on most embarrassing moments. <laughs> and a first here in the batter's box. So there you go. Great. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Fact about Sam Pauly that would surprise people the most. Um, probably that like outside of being on stage, I really don't like attention. Like, I don't like, um, you know, like, oh my God, you're a singer or, oh my God, you're this person, right? Like, I don't, I don't like that makes me very uncomfortable. So that's why I'm still getting used to a lot of all of this that I'm like me, why, you know? Yeah. Was the whole like stage door thing ever like uncomfortable in any ways in that sense? Um, it's only, it's only kind of uncomfortable if like people, um, if people like try and touch you or grab you without asking, which I've had not often, but sometimes there's just people that feel like very entitled to you and your time. Um, or, you know, trying to leave after the stage door and people follow you, um, trying to talk to you or that's why I usually leave and like put headphones in and book it to the train. But, um, People are very nice for the most part and just really excited to be there, which I love. And honestly, the stage door is my favorite part. Um, getting to meet everybody afterwards and like getting to have that moment with people. Um, but yeah, it's sometimes the people that are just a little too touchy feely that I'm like, I don't know you, please <laughs> touch my arm or don't go in for a hug. I don't know you. Um, yeah, those are, those are the moments that get weird. <laughs> Proudest moment of your career. Oh, I mean, definitely. I would say making it to Broadway. That's been like, that's for me personally, that's been my uh, like success identifier. Um, Making it to Broadway by no means determines whether or not somebody is successful. But for me, that has been my ultimate goal. Like I will feel like I have made it or done exactly what I want to do if and when I make it there. Um, but yeah, I think the, the best moment when I got the call with the offer, I was over in London. So for me, I was in the middle of a show one night and I called my agent back during intermission and my husband happened to be there that night. He was visiting and he was at the show that night. Um, so getting that call at intermission and then like him being there and me getting to share that with him right after the show. And then me being able to call my parents because it was early enough back in the U S um, that I could call them and, and finally have that, like, you guys, we, we did it. I'm going, I'm going to Broadway. That was like, that's probably the best for sure. And lastly, what's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Ooh, um, when I was a freshman in college, our, music theater professor that we only had for a year and I wish she would have stayed um, brought me into her office once for a meeting and said, why don't you come into class every day and just wipe the floor with everybody? And I was like, excuse me. And she was like, you could come in here every day. You could come into class and give all of the older students a run for their money. And you don't. Why? I think it's because you're, you're a freshman and you think that you shouldn't, but that's what the business is. You should never make yourself smaller 
for fear of making other people feel uncomfortable in their own insecurities. And I think that's like the kind of the first time that anybody had ever said anything like that to me, because I I still do that now that I'm like, no, I don't want to, you know, um, so I try and tell my students that a lot now. Don't ever make yourself smaller because you're afraid of making other people realize and live with their own insecurities. You do you. Make yourself big and take up all the space. That's probably that's probably the best. It served you really well because you're absolutely crushing it. And we are like so happy to have folks like you in the Broadway community, Sam. This is epic. Oh, thanks. Thanks. I'm trying. <laughs> Now, I do have to ask, you know, I know you're at your in-laws house. Do you think that they would let you resume production on those Song of the Day videos? Are we going to get some more of those soon, you think? Oh, yeah. I like sing in the bathroom for dumb TikTok videos all the time. So I don't think I don't think they care. Um, I I might I might start doing them again soon. You know, I did like I did literally 100 days over the summer. I did then a fall 50 and then. 12 days for Christmas. And after that, I was like, okay, the, I need a break. And there's only so much I can do that people like social media is dumb. And that like, you can't post too much because you want people to like still want your content. So I try not to make myself too accessible all the time. Um, but right now I'm having a good time just like sitting by the pool in the afternoon. So <laughs> So maybe I can't rule it out, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll do some songs again. We love your singing, but I think that, I mean, if it's a, if you have to choose between sitting by the pool and recording those songs, I mean, by all means, I would just, I would be sitting by the pool. (laughs) Well, I also like, I have my availability for lessons in the morning and then like early evening so that I can have that window of time in the afternoon to just sit outside if I want to. Now, uh, speaking of social media and lessons, if everyone wants to connect with you online and, you know, maybe reap the benefits of your coaching services and your great Instagram, where can everyone find you, Sam? Um, on Instagram, I'm at Sam Pauly. Pauly has no E in it. S-A-M-P-A-U-L-Y. Um, and I have a link tree in my bio um, where you can find a bunch of that stuff. But I do coaching through um, Artists and Beyond, who is about to merge with another company. So you can just find the link tree in my bio and all of that stuff will stay the same. But yeah, I do lessons and meet and greets and Q and A's and stuff like that. So if you ever just want to hang out, you can book that. But that's like I said before, it's like, that's the way that myself and a lot of other people in the industry um, are surviving right now. Um, Cause contrary to what I think some people believe we have not been getting paid. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of people in other parts of the real world that I've had say to me before, "We guys are still getting paid, right? That I'm like, no, I have not received a paycheck since March of last year. They don't, they don't pay us. So stuff like that is how we're all getting by. And it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Well, thank you for using your platform the way you do. And I hope that everyone listening, if, you know, if hanging out with Sam or, you know, getting her expertise, if this chat wasn't enough incentive for you, I don't know what is, but uh, this was absolutely (laughs) epic. Thank you for joining us tonight, Sam. Thanks for having me. Honestly, my lessons are a lot like this. It's just like a lot of relaxed fun and sometimes chaotic. So if that's what you want, (laughs) come hang out. I love that. That's the perfect balance right there. Awesome. (laughs) 
Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to Break a Bat. This is Al Malafrante signing off for the Broadway Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today, and we'll see you next time. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.